Welcome back. This is the penultimate episode of season one, and the last episode of what will formerly be known as the A&M Studios podcast. But more on that later. This is a unique episode, because if you're like me, who's trying to be an accomplished author, sometimes we get something called writer's block. Now, it can be something that can go away quickly or take a long time. So I just wanted to reach out to three of my friends who I believe to be very talented authors. They each have their own unique spin and their own unique perspective of what it takes to be a writer. So this episode is dedicated to all those who want to write, whether it's nonfiction or fictional. While this particular episode focuses on fictional writing, I hope you can find key elements that can inspire any type of writing, whether it's a poem or music, film writing, or novels, or even semester papers for those in college. We'll first be hearing from Javier Benitez. He's originally from Virginia, and he currently lives in the state of Idaho. He is also a recent college graduate, and if you want to know more about his author updates, you can follow him on his Twitter page, Javi, J-A-V-Y, Write Stuff, W-R-I-T-E-S, Stuff, Javi Write Stuff. Then we'll be hearing from Alyssa Norris, who is was known as Alyssa Casey, and she is an accomplished Amazon uh, novelist. She has been able to publish several things with Amazon, including her most popular book, Chained Freedom, When Trust Kills You. She's here in the Cinnamon Bloodhouse. These are a few books from Alyssa Norris, and she is just spectacular at writing, writing, writing. She's just got a lot of ideas. Hopefully you get a lot of good stuff from her. And lastly, we'll be hearing from Owen Triolo. We finally got him on to the podcast. He was supposed to meet us for one of the show reviews, but scheduling conflicts, but we finally got to sit down with Owen. He had graduated from film school, and he's been writing a lot of good stuff, and he'll be finishing us off. I hope you enjoy and learn something new. Well, Javi, I'm going to pick your brain. If there are any trade secrets, you uh, let me know. And uh, we'll move on to the next question. But um, when it comes to writing something, sometimes it's quite difficult to, you know, expand your brain. So I've, I've said this like several times, but whenever I like writing something, I see everything like a movie. So my mind expands, you know, three hours this way, three hours that way. I see the whole movie in IMAX and then I come down to the paper and I go, oh shoot, I don't know how to write all that three hour movie down onto paper. <laughs> um, and so the world comes to me when I do anything when it comes to world building like that. I envision it, I see it. Um, how, how does world building come to your mind? Um, yeah, so I think a lot of the times, uh, it's, it's really different for each, um, for each novel or, or idea that I'm, that I'm trying to create. Um, and it really depends on how the inspiration came. Um, so I've had books where, um, where I thought about the world first, um, and then, um, there's other times where I've thought about characters first. Um, and then had to think about, okay, what world do they live in? Um, you know, what conflicts does this world inherently have? Um, and what things are different than, than our world? Um, and what things are the same um, from our world to the next? 
um, you know, from reality to this secondary fictional world that I'm creating. So this is probably a really dumb question, but I just, I'd like to know your thoughts. Is it, is it weird to, to think that sometimes you can be sucked in into a um, fantastical reality, meaning it's not real, um, and coming back to our reality? Is that sometimes hard for a novelist to separate themselves from, or is that just a really cheesy question? No, I, it's legit. Um, I often, um, well, you know, especially, well, not, not when I interact with people, but often whenever I have spare moments, um, I'm often thinking about the world that I've created. Um, because like, I think every artist, including authors want to, we want to experience this new world for ourselves. Um, and I think that's, that's a part of like, you know, the passion, you know, that, that you need in order to, to complete, you know, uh, a novel, you need to have that passion for it. And, um, being absorbed in the world is, you know, a great way to, um, always make sure that you're passionate about your story, that you're thinking about the world that, that you're in. And I think it also, it also helps, um, you know, create conflict, uh, which is, you know, one of the most important, if not the most important thing in your story. So you keep coming back to this word conflict. I'm pretty, um, I think it's a very highlighting word. Mm-hmm. So I've never thought of it this way, that the particular world that you envision or create or um, pretend to be in can bring about a conflict in a story. Can you talk to me more about that? Yeah. um, So, you know, a lot of the times, especially when you're doing um, a hero's journey story, there needs to be something that inspires want to do something better, right? So if we look at, um, you know, Harry Potter, Harry Potter lives, you know, with his terrible um, you know, aunt and uncle, and he wants to go to someplace else, um, right? So his world of, you know, being in that home then creates conflict within him that drives him to want to go somewhere else, um, you know? And so I, in th- a lot of times, you know, to, you know, for more, a lot, you know, older books, you'll have uh, things where, you know, the political realm will, you know, you'll have a dangerous leader, and, you know, X, you know, like your main character needs to take out this leader in order to save the world or, you know, they have to, um, you know, they have to, you know, rob a bank because their society makes it hard for people get out of to get out of poverty. And so now they have to, um, you know, they have to steal money from a bank, which means, you know, all of the ramifications of society falling down upon them. And so. Um, you know, while, you know, you, a lot of times the characters will, will create that conflict. Um, a lot of the times it's reinforced by society, which us as authors create for that world, right? Um, and we don't even, sometimes we don't even need to do it on ourselves, like by ourselves to create this conflict, because a lot of these conflicts are human conflicts. We're just like, depending on what genre that you're writing in, um, you know, if it's fantasy or science fiction, you're really putting um, just a different layer on it. You know, kind of like you're wrapping it, you're wrapping this kind of human conflict in a different, you know, you're wrapping it to look a different way. But it's it's really the same exact thing that, um, you know, that we face on a daily basis. So I think it's genius to put it the way you did, that the setting can produce you know the story in an essence the conflict mm-hmm. uh the beginning the middle and the end somehow this setting this how could i say it an unwarranted or unexpected character drives the story drives the drives where something is going if that makes mm-hmm. sense that's probably not the right way to phrase it 
Um, I'm trying to think of different things, the different stories that people enjoy. Um, I grew up with PlayStation, so I'm thinking about the Jack trilogy. I know a lot of people like The Legend of Zelda. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm envisioning in my head, probably really poorly, all the worlds that these characters come out of mm -hmm. and how the setting kind of is embodied in the character, but at the same time pushes the character to different limits, to different heights. Mm -hmm. um, so if you think about it for Superman, his world, you know, literally blew up. And so he has to come to a different world and that kind of shapes, you know, how he sees the world, how he perceives truth and whatnot. But then, you know, it's interesting. You can take the character of Batman and have him come from this, you know, criminal world of Gotham and portrayed in so many different ways. So how have you seen, how difficult, I guess, I, to put it a different way, how, how essential is the setting? How, how can you use it in so many different ways to create different kinds of stories? Um, so I think, uh, so I think setting, you know, isn't everything, right? Because you have a lot of, you know, a lot of books that are thrillers, right? That take place on, you know, on earth, uh, you know, that take place, you know, in, in, you know, in a hometown or, or all that good stuff. So I think, um, setting is important more to make to understand that the world that the character lives in um is real and and you know has um you know has these conflicts that the character will go through um you know and you can actually tailor it to to for the setting to work however you want right so an example would be like you know if i'm doing a murder mystery in a very small town um, right. I, I have a limitation of saying, okay, that police budget that they have to solve crimes is, is very low. And so it also means that they're going to have, you know, their technology won't be as good. So maybe, um, you know, evidence, you know, DNA evidence takes a little bit longer to process, or they have to go through external routes, um, like, you know, go to another police department for a bigger city in order to get access to those facilities. And so um, really any setting is a good setting as long as you uh, create those limitations um, that are realistic for that, for that setting. Um, and, and I think it, you know, having those limitations make it really important to um, having the world be realistic, right? Um, like if your world is a utopia where everyone's happy, what real conflict can there be? It, it makes it hard. And so, um, you know, there has to be some kind of discord, at least in some way, shape or form um, in the setting in order to, um, to make it realistic. Because if you don't, you know, uh, it's going to be hard to say, to think someone who is properly fed has, you know, proper emotional care, has, you know, is taken care of, has health care, all that other stuff. If they're set for life, um, you know, it's hard for them to be, one, relatable, but also it, it's hard to make it, um, to, to make it feel like, okay, yeah, like this would actually happen here. Um, you know, this, would, this is going to make people mad. No, that makes sense. So before we move on, to a, to a different um, subject, just to put a little pin on this world building. Um, how, what advice would you give to someone who's struggling to build a world and how to, you know, give them peace of mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so one is to, you know, draw, draw something from real life, right? So you have fantasy books that are, that take place at schools you have, you know, sci-fi books that take place um, in empires, right? You can draw from the real world, from history, and then give it a new coat, uh, you know, a new coat, coat of paint and make it, you know, look completely original and no one is going to tell the difference. Um, so when I would say draw from something real 
um, you know, make sure that there is some kind of, you know, tension in the world that um, make sure that, you know, that there is some kind of um, disparity in the world, whether it be, um, you know, economics, religions, um, you know, uh, yeah, economics, religion, um, education levels, all that good stuff. Um, and then um, my third one would just be make sure that, um, well, try not to, you don't need to show everything um, in great detail whenever you're, you know, trying to write this world. All you need to do is show um, a few examples that are really good, and then people will start to believe the rest. People will believe the fact that this world is fully fleshed out that this world um, is real because you've shown, you know, how people interact with each other um, and how, you know, like if people only talk, you know, with sign language, you know, then you would, you, you would show that in a couple of instances and then you don't need to show it again because if you've done it convincingly enough, we'll believe you at that point. I think there is... A ton of wisdom in that that we could dissect for another 45 minutes, but we'll, we'll keep it there. Um, and just to dabble into something that I think is very popular among a lot of writers, um, and that's our, that's our main characters, our secondary mm -hmm. characters. And, you know, they, they really drive the story, you know. Yeah. It, we, we have from our uh, childhood days – we have PBS kids. If that's not copyrighted, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, we got <laughs> Arthur, you know, he's, he's a very important character, but you have Buster as best friend, yeah. or you can have, you know, Clifford, the big red dog, you know, he's your main character. So it's, and then uh, earlier we mentioned Harry Potter. He's the main character of JK Rowling's um, Harry Potter series. So just to give the audience some idea Javi, mm -hmm. pick a character that you've created um, and with, you know, without trying to spill too many beans because it's your character. Um, how did you come up with this character? Um, what's this character like? What, you know, what was the process of, of this person's creation and where have you taken it? Yeah. Um, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, Let's see. I think one of my, um, I'll just go with the character that I'm currently writing. One of the main characters, um, his name is Felipe. Um, he, um, one is a, um, he's an, he's an intern at a park. Um, uh, you know, and so in this world, uh, um, you know, the government, government, um, you know, internships are very prestigious. Um, and right now he has some conflict at, and it's pretty early on in the novel. Um, so he, he's had some, you know, terrible experiences with, um, with religion as his father and his siblings that are older than him are, um, they are, uh, you know, a part of the clergy of this world. Um, they treated him really poorly and that left him with a, with a doubt for this religion. Um, and so how I came up with him is, you know, I, I chose something from my personal experience, you know, where I had doubts on my personal religion growing up. Um, and then I was able to really use that as an amplification um, and to and say, okay, what if I in the past took this route and, you know, and then so I just explored that. How would I feel? How would I react to this? Um, how would I, um, what, what, what would my biases be at that point? Um, you know, how would that change the relationship between my family um, that I've had? You know, my family, my friends, even my enemies. Who would become my enemies now? Um, this took, um, you know, one point of my life and then really expanded on that. Um, and said, okay, this is, you know, this is a character. Um, and I used a part of my personal past in order to inform 
um, the decisions that this character would make. Um, and that's always, that's been a really good uh, key for me. I, I try to do this with most of my characters where they have one trait or another that I have. And then it's a little bit amplified or, um, or that became like the main characteristic that, um, that my character has. And it really helps them have a sense of reality because one, you know how you felt at that time. So it's easy to, to relate that in the story um, to say, okay, you know, this person um, is tired of being pushed around. How would they react to this? Um, and then it really makes the story and the character building and the character, like when people read the character, they feel lifelike because they are, they are a piece of you that just have different, maybe some other different traits, maybe other interests, but they are a part of you and you're able to then, um, you know, go off of your experiences, which I think is one of the most important things to draw from your real life. And then, um, then but take it a different route, take it, you know, a hundred percent extreme. No, I think that's, I think that's a great way to put that. I've had someone, uh, not in my life say, oh, you based this character off of you. Oh, you based this character off of me. You know, we get a good laugh out of it because, you know, we, you know, we base things off of um, our own experience. And, you mm -hmm. know, there's um, the example that popped into my head while you were um, explaining that with Stan Lee, how there's stories about how he projected himself onto Peter Parker. Um, and so I, th I, I see what you're saying. And I think it opens up a lot of possibilities for people. It, I think at times it's really hard to sit down and take out a graphic organizer and be like, okay, this is such and such name. They have this eye color, this hair color. When, you know, we can, you can use that, but you can kind of skip that step and go, okay, well, what about me could I potentially write about? Or what about this person that I had this encounter with could I use for this particular character. So in some ways, while it's still a difficult, I would say profession um, or exercise, there are some easy ways to go about creating a character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of them. And then things like eye color and, and weight and height, those things are all trivial. Um, you know, like those things are just things that people remember. Um, you know, but it really, what really matters is, are, is, <clears throat> is that personality, their flaws, their strengths, um, their idiosyncrasies that, that uh, help you recognize, you know, the character. Um, and so I think, yeah, those are the definitely the things that matter. And, you know, eye color and everything, um, you know, really don't, you know, height doesn't really matter. Um, <clears throat> In my case, it matters a little because I'm short, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, like there are places in the world that people are just short. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, in the mountains of Ecuador, um, you know, people there are not that tall, including the men. Right. And so, um, you know, there are times where, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter, like, especially if you're going in a more homogenous society. Um, you know, heights aren't much. Um, and so, you know, personality are the things that, that really stick out. Um, that people, at least from my experience, those are the things that I remember about a character. Um, you know, like, and I think we all kind of do. We all know, like, which characters we would hang out with or not because we understand their personality and their character. And those are the things that really, at least with me, and, and from what I have talked with other readers, that's what matters to them. Well, thank you, Javi. I think uh, that that uh, that pins the you know the tail on the donkey. I can't come up with phrases today. Usually, I'm a little bit better at that. Um, <laughs> um, what we need to 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 think about, um, listeners, readers, family, friends. Um, I think the main two points here are is. Remember to think about the conflict and remember to think about the personality. I think 
these two points that Javi has brought to light can really help us in anything we want to write about, short stories or, you know, long trilogies. Uh, so thank you, Javi, again for sitting down with us and helping us out. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, it was a blast. I will try and answer as best as I can. Oh, cool. Well, Lisa, what I'm really interested in is let's first start off with brainstorming. I know that with a lot of people, it's really hard to take out a pen and paper and create diagrams to create charts to create um, tables of for characters for settings i remember being in second grade and my teacher telling me this is how you brainstorm you you put up the bubble and the bubble connects to all these different webs and i love my second grade teacher she's the one that inspired me to keep writing but this didn't really work for me so how does how do you brainstorm and how do you find ways to get ideas so I only take minimal notes, actually. I don't do a lot, whole lot of outlining because it doesn't really help me. So it stays all in my head for the most part. And I'll write notes on my phone and sometimes have a certain notebook for each novel or story in general. And yeah, it's just a very simple process for me. So do, do your do your notes build upon those notes, if that makes sense? Um, sometimes, sometimes they just stay very short and simple before you actually start writing because I have a new notebook and it's for a spinoff of my paranormal story that I'm still in the middle of. Um, I literally only have uh, the character traits like the hair color and stuff. And um, then I started writing the backstory and then I realized that I can actually turn this into something else. So I started writing that last night or the night before. So your ideas kind of build upon ideas and these ideas can take you in different directions. Yes. And so I really like the idea of having separate notebooks um, for separate stories. I think that's genius. Um, it might be, you know, you know, save the trees and whatnot. Um, but I think it's a good idea because not only does it keep you organized, it keeps you focused on the stories you want to build upon. And yeah. so how, how, can, how can someone be brainstorming and making sure that if they have five different notebooks that it's not – how is it that it's not, how is it that it is five different stories and not five of the same story? It depends on the project. Because really, I just started uh, trying to rewrite character traits down, um, starting with the father in Kyle's Purgatory, and then it just trickled into writing actual story notes for his backstory so what you're saying for you when you brainstorm and you're writing down all these notes in a way it's a cheat code because you're kind of writing the story yeah pretty much because i started writing the backstory realizing that i had never actually written anything about it in kyle's purgatory because it's about the entire family and not and the kids more than the parents and their story has always been secretive. And so now I'm writing their point of view, but from a 17 year old versus a 45 year old parent. Right. Okay. So even these notes can bring characters alive. So when people are trying to figure out what their character is like, you're basically saying, well, write it down, take that yeah. note. Cause that note can inspire this um, or try to remember it in any form so that you can write it down later when you do actually have the time right so um what happens like wh where do you go to brainstorm do you do you, do you go to a, a coffee shop do you go you know do you go uh, do some push-ups at the gym how, how does it work for you um well i don't have a gym membership so 
that, <laughs> that one's out of it. <laughs> we used to before the pandemic started, but uh, really just at my desk or anywhere where I have my notebook and I don't always keep my notebook with me. I try to. So does I, the, does your desk kind of like create a space of no distraction so you can actually focus on, on writing? Uh, sometimes, but then I get distracted by YouTube. Oh, yeah, YouTube. And or music. Can music help with brainstorming? Oh, yeah, a lot. So do you, do you think that um, brainstorming can be a mixture of the spur of the moment of focusing on a desk or going to the park and seeing something in the distance that makes you think about your story? Are these, is there one way to brainstorm? Is there one way to be inspired to brainstorm? There's not any one way. It's pretty much anywhere and everywhere that you are. And even with, when I came off with this spinoff for the parents, I was at work. I was, I was, I was working yeah in the infants and the girls section and I started thinking about it and then it like was a light bulb in my head and I was like okay I need to try and remember this the best that I can because I know I don't have time right now to write it down <laughs> see it just just being anywhere things things can can spark an idea being anywhere talking to people watching certain movies that are inspiring to me like we just went and saw ghostbusters and that brought back my love for well didn't bring back but it brought more love for what i love writing which is paranormal stories mm -hmm. and there's really no one way to what's the range Brainstorm? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so it might sound super cliche, uh, listeners, but it, I think it really does work. I think that if you're trying to find the way to write or to, uh, the way to brainstorm, you might be doing it wrong. I think you would agree with me, Alyssa. Um, yeah. And it's just, it, I think it's harder on your brain to try to think of only one way to do things. Like if you want to try an outline, try an outline. But the next day, go to the park, walk around. Uh, you know, see people feeding pigeons or ducks or something. I don't know. Something that works for you. Yeah. Like, I get inspiration from the entire world. That's just mainly it. And talking to people as well can spark the most random ideas. Just got to make sure they don't steal your ideas, right? Yeah. Well, I'll just come up with them in the middle of the conversation and then I won't actually like say anything about it. Yeah. But I'll like write it down in my personal journal and so I can write about like the conversation or just write it in the particular notebook or I have a document for a different story um, that I want to put down the paper for safety reasons. Mm hmm. <sighs> Yeah. That's good. So uh, something else I wanted to talk to you about, Alyssa, is stories arcs. Story arcs, sorry. That's a plural. Story arcs. Um, and something that we've been uh, addressing um, in this episode is the hero's journey. You know, the, you know, the beginning, middle, end, the, the journey that the protagonist or the antagonist um, goes on in the story. So when you're developing a story, I know that we touched a little bit on it about writing down notes and stuff, but when the story is coming together, you're writing it chapter by chapter. Mm -hmm. how, how is it that you can build a particular character's story arc? By thinking about them 24 seven sometimes. So it's like a full-time job sometimes to, to, to come up with these things. Yeah. And sometimes like with, Kyle's Purgatory, and just because that's my main project, which is why I'm mentioning it. Um, you listen up, everybody. It's on Amazon. Go ahead. Uh, well, not this one. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I haven't even finished it, really. Um, what was I saying? 
You're talking about 24-7. Oh, yeah. So it took four years to get to the point where I'm at now, and I'm still not satisfied with it. Long time. Yeah. The fourth anniversary was on August 8th of this year. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like I'm trying to find, like, build the arc and everything mm-hmm. because it's still, I feel like I'm still writing it the wrong way. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So, per se, you, there's not necessarily any hoops that you drum through to, to get through a story arc because for some people, it can take as little as four hours to figure out what the story arc, but then sometimes it can take more than four years to mm-hmm. really get what this character is going through. Yeah. Because at first, the story was about Morgan, who is the third, the middle child, per se, uh, the second child. And I thought it was his story the whole time and then I ended up realizing no this is about the brother who is not even there and then I've had to like build his story and his arc over time slowly and it's still coming slowly so in in your writing um, how difficult is it to manage competing story arcs and at the same time giving a complete and interconnected story arc? Um, I'm not sure. So when, when it, so it's not like a Venn diagram, but it's kind of like train tracks where each piece comes together, right? And yeah. they can be and they can be different colors. Like the first train track is yellow, then it's red, then it's blue, and that's a pattern, right? But mm-hmm. how do we how do you make sure that the yellow, the red, and the blue, or whatever I just said, stick together, um, and that somebody else's story doesn't interrupt what you're trying to do? Um, so like how I kind of figured out that it's Kyle's story in the end. Yeah, yeah. How, how can you differentiate that? Because I'm uh, just using a, a random characters. Like, how is it? How is it that we're trying to tell Jason's story, but it's uh, but it and it's not Jane's story? You know what I mean? Because sometimes we 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 put a lot of characters right into our yeah. story, and I think that that's something that that gives us writer's block is the fact that we are we're putting too many things in there. So I, yeah. I, I, with with copyright stuff, one of my favorite movies, and I know that you'll disagree, is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And in that movie, people <laughs> felt like there was yeah. way too many villains. And I can understand the perspective. It feels like you're plopping in too many different characters. So the, the yeah. reason I'm asking you is how, how can we, like, you know, get through those hiccups and make sure that we're still telling, you know, Peter Parker's story? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um yeah, no, I never liked The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> but um, my husband gets annoyed with me saying that, too. Uh, I tried to figure out story, realizing after writing that one character for a few different drafts that it's actually about his brother. Something just fell. We're fine. Um... So I think sometimes it just depends on the story because you can focus on one character for so long only to realize that the side character is actually the main character. And you can still have all the other characters, but you still need to focus on just the one character that your heart is calling to. Otherwise, it's all going to blow up and be a giant disaster. Mm-hmm. So, without without really um, taking away anything that you've said, because I think that's I think that's remarkably put. Um, I like the movie Saving Mr. Banks, and it's kind of like the backstory to Mary Poppins and whatnot. And I don't know if she 
you know, took, you know, 24 years to come up with the character Mary Poppins. But it's, I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about, that there's, there's so much emphasis on the character Mary Poppins that pops up, the, uh, pops off the page for us, that makes us think, wow, this is Mary's story, or this is so-and-so's story. Um, and yeah. putting, putting all that energy into one character, that, that can be exhausting, but it kind of seems like it's the way to figure out how the story's going. Yeah, because even, like, if you look at Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling had how many characters, yet she chose to focus on the boy who lived. Mm-hmm. And it's his story. It's not any of the other story or any of the other characters' story, even though they kind of help develop his. And you can make the story about them, too, but you can also make them more 3D and develop them. I don't know if that made any sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Because <laughs> what, what's, what's crazy is we can have a lot of characters, but what I guess makes a story really good is that while they add to the story, we can't forget who the story is really about. Yeah. And I think the best stories bring that out in the best ways. Like you, you can't go wrong with Harry Potter because everybody has their role to play but Harry still shines. You know, Harry still yeah. has his journey he's going through. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm not pretty sure, I'm 92.5% sure that J.K. Rowling had to dedicate time to that character, brainstorm that character in different ways, give herself to that character so that character could complete his story arc and um, all that good stuff. Yeah, because when you have side characters, you can't just leave them stagnant. Like, they can't be 2D. They have to be 3D still because they still have to have their personality. But don't focus on them because then they'll take over, like, the whole meaning of the story and what it's actually about. Right. Well, there you have it, folks. I think um, understanding where brainstorming can come from and how dedication can build a story arc. Um, hopefully that helps out some of you, if not all of you. Um, Alyssa, is there something that you feel like um, you'd like to add uh, to, end, to end this portion? Not that I can think of. Cool. There it is. We'll put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it. That's copyrighted. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> Um, thank you, Alyssa. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Well, ladies and gents, without further ado, this is Owen Triolo. I promised I'd, I'd get him on here. And uh, here we go. So, Owen, we need to know something. How is it that you get inspired? And how do you go bring that inspiration down? I, well, for me, it's kind of, you know, the, the project I'm working on right now, the whole premise is it's about this college professor in his early 30s who gets diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he decides to um, just kind of like, you know, throw caution to the wind and hop in a van and go drive across America, kind of just do some of the things he never got around to do um, earlier in his life. So it's like kind of his last hurrah. Um, that whole idea just came from me going on a drive with a friend and he uh um he's really into rock music plays in a rock band but the he's but he can totally do a, a 180 and go from listening to 70s rock music to ludwig von beethoven at whatever the max volume of his car is with the windows down driving through the back roads of nowhere kentucky and just like not blending he's just like he enjoys every second of it and for him it's bliss and it's just like this is just and i'm like i'm watching this i'm thinking this is a character in a book this is like this is the character you would pick up some guy would pick up as a hitchhiker in the middle of new mexico and then and then it just kind of it kind of started rolling from there and I think I've got I've got about like three chapters of it written. I haven't really had much time to write it, write much of it recently. It's about right now. It's about thirty-one pages, and about mm, just shy of seven thousand words. But 
I mean, that's just one way I get inspired. I mean, honestly, I could be listening to a song and there's a lyric that just makes me think, hey, this would kind of work in a in a scene in a book or a movie and then I'll write that and or I talk to somebody and I get an interesting story. I mean, it's like I get inspiration from everywhere. It's not like I do one, only get inspired by one way. I mean, I think that's what it's really interesting with about a lot of writers is, you know, inspiration is everywhere. You just have to find it. I like that. Inspiration is everywhere. Let's quote it, trademark it. <laughs> so with, with that inspiration, um, I believe that it's, it's probably guided you to your favorite stories that you, that you want to share with the world. Right. Um, um, there's aside from the project I'm working on right now, I wrote a feature length romantic comedy last fall for a senior project. Um, originally it wasn't supposed to be a romantic comedy. It was supposed to be a horror film. Um, <laughs> I got about nine pages in and kind of hit a wall. I'm like, I don't know where I want this to go. So I'm like, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take the weekend off. I'm gonna put this on the shelf and just write something else just to see if I can come up with anything. Um, our screenplay had to be 45 pages, uh, give or take a few. Um, so this, the, the first one that I started was only nine. I'm like, no, great. How am I going to get, what, 35 more pages out of this thing? So I started writing this other project. And next thing I know, Monday morning, I'm on page like 23. And I'm thinking, well, forget the other story. I'm sticking with this. <laughs> um, and I, so the whole romantic comedy is just, it's set in Chicago. It's, you know, guy falls in love with girl. It's, it's, it's kind of inspired by my love for uh, kind of like those old, like late 80s, early 90s comedy, romantic comedies. It's You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks. Um, and then what's the other one? When Harry Met Sally with Billy Crystal. Um, and then there's another one that came out in the late 2000s called 500 Days of Summer. It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Zoe Dejanelle, it's like, I love, the thing I love about that one, about that story, is it flips the all the stereotypes for a typical romantic comedy and turns them all on their heads. And it's just, I'm like, I like that. So I kind of tried to, I didn't, like, steal, I, like, I tried to mimic it, but also put my own spin on things. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got 45 pages of written and then I got really bored over over the Christmas holiday. I'm like, well, screw this. I'm going to keep writing. Uh, so I went from 45 pages to 92. Look at that. And every time I've given it to, for somebody to read, they've come back and said, this is amazing. I love it. Um, you know, especially, it is, and it's really good when you hear people who have read stuff you've written before and say, out of everything I've read of yours, this is the best thing you've written. So, I mean, it's like when, when I write, I always try to make it something that I would enjoy watching, but also like, okay, if, if I'm going to enjoy this, somebody else has to enjoy watching this too. And I always try to put a little bit of like a personal touch to it. Like the romantic comedy I had uh, took inspiration from past romantic uh, relationships and things. Uh, just put, and uh, just put those in there and it, and it kind of, I think it helped the story more kind of develop as I wrote it along because it's like you know you can go you know you can take the guy falls in love with girl blah 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 but if you throw curveballs in based on personal experiences it helps you write because it's like oh you've been through this before you have a better understanding of how your characters are going to feel how things are going to interact how things are going to go so I think it's especially with writing, it's always fun to have a bit of personal experience in there as well to kind of set yourself up to write something of a magnitude, whether it's a five page short story or 90 page screenplay or 400 page book. So I think there's a lot of personal that needs to go into the project you're working on. It seems like a very interesting theme that when we want to write we base it off something we know. And right. that 
That's a very interesting thing because while it's staring staring at you in the face, you don't think about it that way. Right. And we we want to relate. We when we pick up a comic book, when we pick up a book, when we do something, it's because we want to relate to it in some way. And especially if we can get a bit of ourselves into that story, yeah. that makes that makes all the difference. Because when you have somebody reading it or watching it, you can you're able to grab somebody's attentions like, hey, I know what that character is going going through. I've been there. And you have you can relate to them more, you kind of connect with them more. Um and what movie I was watch so one of my favorite movies is Stand By Me. Um I kind of I've always so I've been a big fan of Will Wheaton for a number of years, ever since I first saw saw him in Star Trek. Um but you know, I've you know, I went back and rewatched Stand By Me Stand By Me not too long ago and just realized how much I relate to Will Wheaton's character of Gory. He's he's an outcast, but he's also kind of normal but at the same time he's not it's like i get that so i think and and that's one of the things i love about that movie it's like every every one of the one of the four main boys there's something i can always relate to i can relate to a little bit of something from each of them and i think that's another thing i always try to do with my characters try to have something i can relate to every one of them so so if i'm writing dialogue or if i'm writing something important i'm like okay this is how i know this can go if that makes sense right that makes sense to me so while it may sound like we we have an answer to the next question i have for you owen let's try to dissect it the best we can so okay as everybody knows or most people know owen and i have been like best buds since high school and so Whenever we talked about movies, it was as if we could go on and on and on about the movie. So there might be a little bit of bias here, but Owen, what would you say makes a story good? What's a good story? And I know that's going to be different for everybody. You know, some people may like, I mean, this is Hello Kitty, but not me. Um, But what makes a story good? For me, it's always something that, Especially if it's something that I haven't like, if it's a if it's a genre specific type of story or a movie or something, I always get drawn into something that I have an interest in, um, like military history or like history in general. Is like I always really like watching historical dramas and stuff like that, or like period pieces set in like certain different times uh, times in history. Uh, but I also like a good character story, you know. Um, you know, and I think that one of the things I studied film for a year in school and, you know, when you think movie, you probably think of, you know, the biggest blockbuster, you know, the next, the big Marvel or Star Wars movie. Think about all the underground art cinema kind of stuff. And I was really exposed to that. I'm just like, okay, you know, this, there doesn't have to be lasers and explosions every five seconds to make a story good. You know, there's there's a moral there's 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 heart there's soul there's good characters i mean you know even down to the music can you know make or break a scene in a book or a movie or something you know there's all these little elements that have to go together and if they don't mesh together well you know you're not going to have a good story but it's you know it's like you're it's like baking a cake you have to get all the ingredients just right cuz either when you finish cooking you're either going to end up with a big beautiful cake that everyone's going to love or a pile of mush that nobody wants to even look at. Exactly. <laughs> Which would be very gross, by the way. <laughs> right. Uh, that's kind of how my first attempt at brownies turned out. Not great. I had a, I had a friend once. He took a film class, and I wonder if this will make you laugh. Um, but they were watching this silent black and white piece of this guy who had you know an ak-47 he's just shooting at stuff and they watched that clip it was like three minutes long and so the teacher then asked the students you know if, if you could put music to this what would it sound like what would it look like and everybody's saying it's hard rock or intense music or whatnot and then she played the film again with the music that was supposed to go with it and it's like this little lullaby you know what i mean so right. 
that make or break it about what makes a story good can have a different effect on people. Because imagine if you watch that clip and it's just butterflies and lullabies, but it's the guy shooting at stuff with an AK-47. I'm not sure if that would make me feel like that's a good story. (laughs) There's irony in those kind of scenes because it's like you're expecting something and then you, you know, you get something out of left field and it's like, oh, okay, I didn't know they could do it like that, but it works. So would you say that if something works most of the time, nine times out of ten, that'll make it a good story? I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm the kind of guy who likes the really cheesy 80s stuff that just like, you know, you look at and it's like, how, why did this get made? How did this get made? What, how small was their budget? You know, I think it all comes down if you enjoy it, whether it's a good story or not, if you find a personal enjoyment or personal entertainment from it, then it's good. So what then is, this sounds like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, The Purpose of Life. What Uh, then is... 42. 42. (laughs) What then is, or however grammatically correct that sounds, is the key to something that inspires us to write, that, it, that hits us in that moment in the movie or at the opera. You know what I mean? What's, what would you say is that key element then? Just finding something that connects. You know, for me, driving in the car with my buddy, listening to, you know, Beethoven, it's like, you know, it's, you know that's, all, that's a new side to him that I'd never really seen. I knew, I knew he liked classical music. But I'd never seen him go to that extreme of cranking it up all the way in his car stereo, rolling down the windows, basically screaming his head off about how free it is to just be in this like this state of bliss for the you know the 15, 20 minutes we're driving, getting away from the mundane life of whatever we're doing. And it's just like I think it's it's the things that surprise us the most that really can end up being inspiring because it's like had I not gone on that drive, probably would have probably wouldn't have even ever had the idea for the book. Probably had I never had my heart broken three years ago, probably never would have written that romantic comedy and, and struggled to have written that horror story. So I think it's always like a personal thing that's like, okay, I like it. It's cool. It's unusual. This can make a story. And I would I would I would venture to say that every writer that we that we hold to such an esteem has has felt exactly the way you have described it that right. unusual unexpected powerful moment of awe like wow yes this this is an idea whether it's um, transformers or bambi or i don't know romeo and juliet i'm i'm wondering if that's how every one of us thinks about it you know Right. Unusual, unexpected. I think I think that's the way I think that's the way we need to write. I don't I, I don't uh, think that there's nuts and bolts to everything. While there are some things that, you know, good professors, good people can teach you, but the rest of it is up to you to find those unexpected, you know, things like listening to Beethoven full volume in a car, you know, Uh, or I don't know, sitting, sitting in a history class and, and uh, shouting at the teacher because it was from the movie and everybody thought it would be funny. (laughs) Right. But with, with that in mind, Owen, what is this something you would like to impart to people who are having a hard time writing, whether it's something non-fictional or fictional? What, what would you say to them to give them a, a pick-me-up? And I think we'll leave it at that. You know, if you're stuck, take a break. Write something else. Maybe you can get a better, you know, write the opposite of whatever you're working on. Like with my example, I was writing a, I was writing a horror movie. And I said, you know, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to try to write something else. I wrote a romantic comedy, ended up 
making it a 45-page first draft and then du- literally doubling the page count and making it a feature-length film. And it ended up being one of the best things I've probably written. Had I not decided to write that, I probably would have had some mediocre thing that probably would never have – I probably wouldn't have felt good enough to give to anybody. But I felt confident enough to give – somebody my story and i've received a lot of great feedback from it. it's like people are like uh you should get this made somehow by hook or by crook get it made because this is good and there you have it folks owen triolo in the flesh now well, sort of <laughs> sort of all right thank you everybody I hope in some shape, way, or form, you've got some ideas to get rid of writer's block. And if you want to follow and get some more advice, follow Javi at Javi Writes Stuff on the Twitter page. Look for Alyssa Norris or Alyssa Casey on Amazon. And if you want to follow Owen, he's on Instagram. That's Owen Triolo or Owen underscore six five five three two one. Also be on the lookout for the season finale, which will explain the new changes for season two. Thank you for being an avid listener, and I hope that you keep on listening. See ya.